All right, and welcome to the Rory's Nitro podcast, the show that rips up the buy rates and TV ratings and declares our own winner in some of pro wrestling's biggest head-to-head battles. I'm your host, Lee Carlos Cunningham, joined once again by Richie Von Sexington. How's things, Richie? Pretty damn good. Wrestling has not been too bad, I suppose. Although the weather across here now in uh, over the of this side of the world is well, actually uh, shite, that has something we've got in common for lovely a, and sunny in common for a change because it's pretty shite over this side of the world too my face just basically falls it doesn't often line up that way Australia. and it's funny because i love the cold weather i love coming back to england but over here because when the sun comes out it's hot and then you go inside and there's air conditioning on and then at night time it's cold and you've gone to bed not you know not dressed in thermals and it's just the constant changing in weather sets my, my sinuses off something crazy. So winter over here is far worse than an English winter for me personally. Interesting. I've never yeah, said they, of an Australian winter before. They suck you into thinking it's going to be a nice day. You go out in shorts and a t-shirt and you end up spending half the day trying to wipe the snot from dripping down your chin. Nice. I, I like to think that's pretty much the same as when I moved to the northeast, and no matter what the weather is doing now, it has no relevance to what it will do later I, or what it did yesterday. But I suppose we should stop talking about weather and sinuses and boring the world to death and talk about some wrestling for a change. What do you reckon? Might as well watch boring anyone to death. <laughs> well, we are back in the eighties, of course. We're on our little journey, and we back. We were up, not back. We're forward into nineteen eighty-eight. Um, this was obviously a year I was very excited for. This was the first year I ever watched wrestling. And as such, since I think the first podcast you and I ever did together was the um, first shows we each watched, correct? I think so. Or was it the head-to-heads? I think it was the, the three like head-to-heads between that and WCW. Yeah, okay. Well, one of the shows we did was the first shows, and I know my first show was SummerSlam yeah. 88, so that one was out of the running, and there was no way in the world I was doing a four-hour WrestleMania 4 tournament, so that was out of the running as well. No, because we already know who gets Dick of the Week yeah. entirely, because uh, Hogan wins. Yeah, and um, this, he may still win it on this one. Stay tuned, no spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we went to what was at the time. I'm not sure if it still is or not. Actually, you know, I really should have looked that up. But it was certainly for the longest time, if not still, the highest rated wrestling match of all time. Um, it was Saturday night's main event from February 5th, uh, 1988, at the Market Square Arena in India, Indiana, Indianapolis. Blah, 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 easier said, Indiana, Indianapolis, in front of. It doesn't actually have the crowd attendance either. I'm having a nightmare here, but a television audience of 15.2, which equates to 33 million people watching this show. That is ridiculous. I just can't see anything they ever do again beating that just because of all the ways you can... You don't have to watch it live anymore. In fact, how many people keep... I know I keep up with a lot of wrestling when I don't watch it, just listening to podcasts. They could have the Queen of England against Donald Trump against Michael Jordan in a triple threat match and it wouldn't draw half this rating today. Like, I just don't see any people on the planet they could get this rating with right now. No, not even if they got... uh, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, John Moxley back, plus uh, whoever, Austin. I don't think even if, like, all CM those... Punk, I don't think, would get close to popping this kind of rating. Like, there's just nobody. There's no two names that people want to see fight so badly that they will tune in in this rate. And 
I mean, obviously, the landscape's changed. So I'm not going to harp on and say it's just because of the decline of WWE. Um, there was a lot less channels back then, as you said before, no DVRs and things like that. Um, there wasn't streaming or anything of that nature. But even still, this is bloody impressive. It's an absolutely massive number for wrestling. Bearing in mind when you look at what they were happy with in the Monday Night Wars. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This it dwarfs most of that. Um, and it's going up against a show which is just slightly less impressive. <laughs> you could say that. Uh, I like to think of it as uh, the AWA's last stand. You're not far off. I think this is about the second to last show they ever run, you know. Uh, I think it is. I'm not sure. Isn't there? A, I think there's a little run where they're in a studio, uh, but there's no audience. I think there's a there's like a tail end, uh, uh, sort of like the the dying of the the territory. But now I think this is pretty much having watched the AWA documentary, which is pretty good on the on the network. Uh, I think this is it. Uh, I think this was the last last chance they had. Uh, I guess we get to see whether they screwed the pooch or not. Yeah, I mean, I think when I read that, it may have been the second to last, like, you know, pay-per-view style show. I think you're right. I, I want to say they ran into about not very early 91, maybe. It was, um, they had a show on ESPN, didn't they, in front of a studio. So I, th- I think you are right on that. Yeah, and I think uh, anyone could wrestle for him yeah. at that point because all, all trained wrestlers would have been elsewhere. And this show, of course, is Super Clash 3, which is coming to you December 13, 1988, from the UIC Pavilion in Chicago in front of 1,672 fans and a 0.5 buy rate. So the numbers do not stack up. Not even Scott Steiner could make this maths work. No, no, it's... Uh... It's horrendous, uh, looking at the crowd. Yeah, it's, it's pretty poor. And um, for those of you that are unaware, this is essentially a, um, a multi-company production, this one. So it's world-class as champion Kevin Von Erich in the main event taking on um, the AWA champion, but also, you know, Memphis mainstay Jerry the King Lawler. So the star power was supposedly out for this, and yeah, it, it wasn't what the, the doctor was ordering at this point in time. Now, if you're drawing those numbers for uh, a multi-company match, you're you're screwed. Or as Vern would say, all the leagues. Indeed, all the leagues are here, except that big one that resides in New York. (laughs) And, you know, the second biggest one over in uh, Carolina somewhere as well, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, good point, I suppose. Yeah, there's no one from uh, WCW at that either, is there? So it's all the shit... That couldn't get jobs in the other big two, or Japan, <laughs> yeah, Battle of the Indies, or or on the popular European circuit. <laughs> oh my god! Now this is going to be a, a fun one today. Which one did you actually watch first? I actually, instead of watching what I thought was going to be the shit one first, I actually watched uh, Saturday Night's main event because I thought I'm, you know, I'm worth it. <laughs> I did the same thing, mate, and then struggled. Um, Let's head on over to Saturday night's main event and see what all the fuss was about then, hey? Yep. I'm the macho man, Randy Savage, and this is the bravest woman ever to enter a wrestling ring, my manager, the lovely Elizabeth. Yeah, and you all saw that greasy bully honky-tonk man strike her down. Well, tonight he goes down, and I'm going to send the honky-tonk man on the first bus back to Disgraceland. Yeah, cut Ray Elvis one-way ticket, yeah. 
What a whiner that macho man is. He couldn't keep this belt. He can't keep his woman satisfied. You all saw her fall head over heels over me. <laughs> and he was a lousy tuna for my guitar. But you know, he's a very lucky man. How so, Jimmy? He's very lucky you don't play the piano. <laughs> I'm Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man. And this is the one and only true heavyweight champion of the world, Andre the Giant. Hulk Hogan may wear the belt for now, but after tonight, that belt will fit as easily around Andre's waist as the giant's hands fit around Hogan's neck. <laughs> Hogan, it felt so good. I can't wait to do it again. And again. And again. When that big, nasty giant snuck up behind me and put his filthy hands around my neck, I knew I was fighting for my life. Thousands of miles away, Hulkamaniacs couldn't breathe either. That's why tonight, when I step in the ring with Andre the Giant, the thoughts and the prayers of all those Hulkamaniacs that stood with me through the hard times are gonna go in the ring with me. And Andre the Giant, with all that on my side, Hulkamania will never die. Saturday night's main event opens up with a series of promos. Actually, you know what? I've got to stop saying this. It actually isn't Saturday night's main event. It's the main event. It, it was on a Friday night. So quick correction before anyone tweets me about that. Um, the main event starts with promos from the Macho Man, the Honky Tonk Man, Ted DiBiase and Andre the Giant, and Hulk Hogan, of which I will splice all of them in here because it's that great rapid-fire opening sequence of promos that they did back in the day. And then a video package before heading to the announced team of Vince and Jesse Ventura, which excited me. What did you think about the opening here, Richie? Fucking love it. I just love the... Right, here you go. 30 seconds, boom. I know what's happening. If I've never watched wrestling before... uh, I'll get everything I need to watch that episode of wrestling. I don't need to fart on. I don't need a 20-minute promo at this. Boom. There you go. We're going to do this. Going to do that next. Fantastic. They should do it more. It's it's something they've got rid of in the uh, quest to be more realistic. Yeah, this is great. I love this. It's similar to the um, old Royal Rumble promos before the 90s Rumbles, isn't it? And it just always worked. It's, it's what they... If you watch it now, I don't think... Sometimes you can just sit down, turn it on. I think you sit down, turn it on, see whoever it is with a mic in hand talking about something you don't really know about. It just it doesn't grab you. You're going to flick the channel unless you're a fan. No, I know. I should, and it's if it's going to be unrealistic, at least make it fun and camp like this. You know, I'm sorry, but there's no way on earth I'm going to tune into Raw and watch Seth Rollins argue with. Drew McIntyre for 15 minutes and go on about how he's going to burn it down. It's like, come on. Like, this is so boring. Like, if you're going to be go go camp, go all out. Be fun. Be entertaining. You're trying to uh, attract... Basically, your audience you want is the kids, is what, what they're aiming for. But name me one kid that will sit through a 20-minute debate or a kid that sees something flashy on screen and goes, fuck me, I want some of that. 
Yeah, they'd sit through a, an argument and promos in the Attitude Era because they swore. Like, let's be honest. Teenage yeah. boys, I was one of them in the Attitude Era. I loved it because they swore at each other. Yeah, yeah. You were like, wow. Yeah. I was in, you know, grade 10, you know, scoring a goal on the on the football field and doing the crotch chop to the goalkeeper like every other asshole kid in my generation. Without doubt. <laughs> um, and they run down the card, which is pretty cool as well. Um, we then get a Hulk Hogan montage. And did you recognize the music that this was played to, Richie? I did. I wrote it down and I've lost it. Oh, it's Jake's music, isn't it? Yes, Jake's music. That was great. Like, really cool. <laughs> I love how they uh, they write stuff. And it's like, well, well, we'll try and use it. We'll try and use it. A bit like with Angle's theme. And then all of a sudden yeah. they go, yes, we can use it now. We found someone. Yeah, it um, makes a bit of a mockery of the um, this idea that every theme was tailor-made for each person coming in, doesn't it? Uh, just a little bit. Uh, certainly that's the what they give you the idea of if you ever talk about Jim Johnson. Yeah. Then we go to Gene Oakland with the Honky Tonk Man, who cuts a really good heel promo. This impressed me. I, you know, Honky's not one of my favourites, to be honest. I don't dislike him, but he's, you know, he lacks a bit of credibility, not the most realistic. I know we just talked about being camp, but he was a little bit too much for me. But this was good. I liked this. This was mean-spirited, nasty Honky Tonk Man. Honky Tonk Man, here we go with the biggest title defense of your career. Any trepidation tonight? You're no journalist, Green Bean. You're missing a story here. The story here is romance. The lovely Elizabeth Wynn. We know, we know she's head over heels for you, right? <laughs> Even this bozo can see it. She wants you, Honky. She wants you bad. And I'm going to oblige her being the gentleman I am, the Honky Tonk Man. What are gonna... you saying? What are you saying, man? What I'm saying is this. I've got the title. I've got the belt. And tonight, I'm going to get the woman, the lonely woman. Oh, no. And then where are you going to take her, Honky? Where, where are you going to take her, Honky? I'm going to take her down the lonely street <laughs> to the heartbreak hotel. you got to be kidding me. <laughs> Don't you worry. I won't be cruel. Sing it, baby. Because I know she wants me to love her tender. Sing it. Because I'll be her. Teddy bear. <laughs> too much, too and much. you know where that hound dog Randy's is going to be? Where is he going to be? In the ghetto. <laughs> oh, Vince, Go, I just hope Elvis, on, the real Elvis, doesn't hear that. Let's get. Yeah, this this was a really good promo. I'm with you. I don't really see what is in Honky Tonk Man. Although after watching his Hall of Fame speech, he, he kind of puts it a little bit more into perspective. But I think this wasn't... I think... Instead of like when he's been too acting like he is Elvis, it, it ruins the act. Whereas he's not in on the joke, I think, with this one. He's just mean spirited and happens to look like Elvis. I think that's. Yeah. I like it. From there, we go to our first match. And yes, you heard this right. The first, well, there's only three matches, I suppose. Um, and they're all title matches, actually. <laughs> Intercontinental title, world heavyweight title, and tag team titles all being defended. The first one is the Intercontinental Championship. Honky Tonk Man defending against the Macho Man, Randy Savage. So this was a really, really hot feud in late 87, early 89. Um, and obviously, you've all seen the clips of Honky Tonk pushing Lears and Macho being hit with the guitar and whatnot. Um, this was sort of, I guess, 
meant to be one of the blow-offs to this. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but if it's this match or around this time where Macho was supposed to win the Intercontinental title back from Honky, but that's obviously not the way they went in 88. And it, it, he got a solid bump up the card because of it, but this feud was pretty decent coming in. I believe that's because Honky didn't want to drop it to Macho Man. Might not be right. Indeed. And so, I mean, it's not a bad reward for Macho. Pretty decent, a year-long title reign. Yeah. Uh, Macho cut a promo with Gene, and unusually, his promo to me was nothing special in this one. So, not often I'm looking at a honky tonk promo and a Macho promo and thinking, "Oh, Macho didn't really hit the mark there." No, it was just too Macho without any uh, actual content, which is a shame. Yeah, it was nothing poor. It just wasn't anything special. Um, there was no cup of coffee in the big time. No, or let's look at is it the let's look at the Telestrator. <laughs> Macho chases him early before hitting a back elbow and a noggin knocker with Jimmy Hart, who distracts a ref and allows Honky Tonk Man to take over back in the ring. He hits a snapmare and gets a cheap shot with the megaphone to the ribs. Uh, brings him a two count before he goes on to a bit of a lengthy beatdown of Macho, with Jimmy Hart getting his cheap shots down in between. The crowd get very, very firmly behind him, though, and start chanting Randy quite loudly. Yeah, he's definitely on the way up. The, the crowd uh, uh, certainly if they haven't already started are definitely turning him uh, face absolutely Macho Man comes back with some elbows and punches before the Honky Tonk Man hits a clothesline and three elbows of his own and decides in the ridiculous heel move to go and stalk Elizabeth instead of putting him away Macho Man comes and attacks him and they brawl along the outside he then hits a slam and a pair of uh, sorry and a top rope axe handle for a two count before Honky Tonk Man nails Jimmy Hart by mistake and allows Macho to put a sleeper in. Peggy Sue, however, stops him getting the win because she chases after Liz, which brings Macho out of the ring to save her. Honky Tonk Man comes out too, and we get a count-out victory as Macho gets back in the ring. So Macho does win the match and the feud, but not the title. This, um, not the the best, the best finish, but it is what it is. Honky then goes and gets his guitar, Jimmy Hart comes back in with the megaphone, uh, but Liz goes to protect Macho Man. Honky goes to hit Liz with the with the guitar, but Macho Man saves, gets a guitar off Honky, who runs, and Macho Man destroys the, the guitar to a smoking hot crowd who are loving this finish. What did you think? Uh, I thought it was great. I mean, given that one-off of the match is uh, Honky Tonk Man, you've got, he's got two people on the ring for shenanigans. I thought the... It's not sending the cruiserweights out, but it's good. It's it, it certainly, <laughs> you know, it held it held my attention. I, I noticed uh, sensational Sherry there as Peggy Sue. Uh, she's obviously jumped ship from. I think the last time we saw her was the AWA. So that's her. Uh, that's her gone. Uh, I just thought it was a good match. You know, it, it's a different style. I mean, it's not uh, uh, sort of like AEW. Uh, type match but no real good I think it's something to look out for uh, if you want to look find some evidence that 80s wrestling wasn't crap it's um <laughs> just a, on a little sidebar there I'm um, not a big one for, for trying to plug or get advertisements or monetize the podcast I'm far too lazy for that but if I did ever decide to release a shirt I think send the cruiser weights out is in the front running for the for the um, slogan we'd use I, I do like the idea it's like oh what we're going to do at the start oh, I'll just send some cruiser weights out and do some flippy floppy shit <laughs> it's brilliant 
Um, and the biggest pop of this actually comes after all of this when Macho decides, no, 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 Liz, you are not going to open the ropes for me today. I'm going to open the ropes for you. And that tiny, tiny little gesture has had so much time to build and percolate and bubble to the surface. So when Macho finally opens the ropes for Liz, he gets a better reaction for opening the ropes for his valet than most guys get for a million suicide dives every week on Raw. Yeah, it's perfect storytelling. Uh, the patience that they show. And I guess it's because they haven't got to fill X amount of hours a week necessarily is is, is, is probably their, uh, their, their curse. But it was just, even the body language is, it feels like it's real, not like it's set up. Uh, you're not being, your emotions aren't being sort of like twisted or being played on. It's actually, it's a feel good moment. Yeah, it's brilliant. We go to a commercial, and this is a point during the show where I decide, you know, I'm just going to watch this whole thing in one sitting, which I never do. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, I was in for this one. This was like, yep, yeah, right, let's get on with it. We then get video footage of the WrestleMania 3 supposed controversy. It's not really a controversy. Um, Hogan didn't, in my opinion, Hogan didn't give Andre close enough to a three count to make this as drama and suspense filled as it should have been because Hogan didn't want to look like he nearly got pinned even though that's the whole angle um, but we show footage of that with Jesse Ventura obviously siding with Andre and saying it was a three count and Vince disagreeing and I just think imagine having an 11 month build up from something like that for a huge match like this you'd never get that now. I can't think of any storyline the, 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 I think the last time they did something like this was Ooh, I think it was Batiste to Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels to Chris Jericho, Shawn Michaels to Bradshaw, but I might be wrong. And it was like quite a long program, all based on the fact that Shawn Michaels retired Ric Flair. But, I mean, what we're talking, that's 10 years ago. I can't think of any storyline that's that's been allowed to gestate. They, they, even if the wrestlers themselves came up with the idea, instead of just letting it bubble along, they they blow it. They blew it with Bailey and Sasha. I mean, oh, big these time. are two people that are beating each other up, and then all of a sudden they're best friends again because of reasons. And then they'll beat each other up for a week and forget about it the next yeah, week. Yeah, it's it's a lack of patience or on their part, I think. Oh, absolutely. We then get a look at the contract signing, which was actually another pretty famous moment with Andre tipping the table over on Hogan. Um, And from there, we go to some more promos to hype up the big match. It's first Gene. It's with Ted, um, Andre, and my mate Virgil, who cut a promo. Not the best again, but it's, you know, we're ready for this. So anything they say is going to get you pumped up by now. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't really need to say much. Just, you're you're already signed up. You've paid your deposit, you've signed up. And Hogan, fresh off having himself a, a, a decent-sized Pepsi, comes in for his promo. Yeah, he's, uh, he's, <laughs> he's slurped deep on the uh, Pepsi, brother. <laughs> and um, he cuts a, a brilliant one, which I'll splice a little bit of in here. Um, 88, certainly some magic Hogan promo era now. It's looking really and sounding really good. Oh, yeah. We've watched the genesis of the Hogan promo, and uh, he's certainly a lot better than when he started in 83. Hogan, Andre the Giant has 
millions of reasons to become the World Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Champion. Well, with all the controversy me and Gene from WrestleMania 3, I've tried to keep an open mind, man. But I've viewed the film a thousand and one times. Andre the Giant, you only had me down for a two count. I slammed you and beat you one, two, three, right in the middle. Maybe the players, the violence, and the training is small change to you, multi-million dollar man. But I've invested my three assets wisely in a lifelong profit-sharing plan with all my little holsters, brother. Fervo, you watch the referee. That's cool. All my Hulkamaniacs are going to be watching you, multi-million dollar man. Then Andre the Giant, one-on-one, -on -one, with the whole world watching, I'm going to prove to you I can beat you, and Hulkamania will live forever. All right, ladies and gentlemen, headed to the ring, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, he sure is, Daddy. Ooh, brother. <laughs> and then we go to what the world is watching. Literally, it's Andre the Giant taking on Hulk Hogan for the World Heavyweight Championship. The rematch nearly a year in the making. WrestleMania three set all kind of records. Then we put them back in the ring, and we're going to set a few more. This is just awesome. This is why I wanted to watch this show. Um, I'm probably in the in the minority since well of wrestling fans that were still that know anything about wrestling now and have seen WrestleMania 3 tend to be uh, typical internet fans and work rate and star ratings and all that other bullshit. Hogan and Andre at WrestleMania 3, I could watch that any day of the week. I loved it. Yeah, I watched it not that long ago and it's great. <laughs> when you when you think that uh, Andre's coming to the end of his career and Hogan signed up thoroughly for the do as much as you need to as opposed to what you can actually do... Uh, yeah, it's a great match, and I, I was looking forward to seeing this one. Yeah, I'm a huge Andre fan as well, me. Um, and we get Andre stalling at the start of this match to mega heat, so it's not quite Jerry Lawler level of stalling, but he's pretty good at it. <laughs> well, Laura, Lawler sort of like does the... Uh, he stalls to annoy the crowd, and then he stalls a little bit more to make the crowd even more annoyed. Then he bores them with stalling, but he actually sometimes manages to get the crowd back by stalling some more. <laughs> it's called the uh, Zabisco uh, theory. Oh, could you imagine Lawler and Zabisco? <laughs> they could they they could have started at Super Clash Three, and they're just about locked up by yeah, now. Yeah, it definitely would be a sketch on a show that one. <laughs> oh my god! Anyway, Hulk Hogan eventually attacks all three. So Andre, Virgil, and Ted. Um, big boots to Ted and Virge, and then punches to Andre, chops and a clothesline. But Andre, being the big man, just isn't going to go down. Hogan, the dirty heel with the eye rake, and then a big corner clothesline. And um, it's pretty jarring early on how much offense Hogan gets before Andre gets a single move in. Yeah, he definitely throws everything at him to give that uh, idea that he could lose, I think. And then Ric Flair, the, the moron, never learns, goes up top and gets caught. Wait, wait, wait. No, it's Hulk Hogan up top to get caught. This is something I don't write very often. No, Hulk Hogan going off the top rope is not something that uh, happens very often. And since he lost at least one bollock and had Andre's fingers inserted into his arsehole, I don't think he'll do it again anytime no, soon. No, no, he'll, uh, he's learned his lesson on that one. Point out, though, <laughs> that it's so. the character Hulk Hogan that lost the bollock and not Terry Belia. <laughs> he would have lost two, but Hulk yes, Hogan's a much yes. bigger Hulk than Hulk Hogan Terry has far bigger bollocks. <laughs> he has a sizable ball bag, whereas... Uh, as uh, Terry Brillier is just an average man. 
No, I can't be helped. Um, from there, Andre goes into his usual offense, a choke, a slam, a headbutt, another choke, before Hogan fights back and actually does almost go up top again, at least to the second rope, and comes off with a clothesline, and then a leg drop, but Virgil distracts the referee, so it's not the end just yet. Andre comes back with two headbutts and his classic underhook suplex for the one, two, three, even though Hulk, again, in you know similar to what I said earlier, gets his shoulder up at one because he couldn't leave it down for two and then say he kicked out. He's got to make sure it's up at one so everyone knows he's not getting beat. Um, yeah, what did you uh, think about until that? The, well, actually, including the finish, to be honest, it was uh, a pretty good match. Again, I don't know if it's because I don't go in expecting a lot and therefore I'm pleasantly surprised, but... Uh, I think it's very much proves, as uh, you mentioned, work rate bollocks earlier. It doesn't need work rate uh, to do a match. These guys are moving at a reasonable pace. They're not doing masses of... It's not like uh, they're going left, square, down, because they've got to do a pile. It's just that kind of slow, methodical, but not boring kind of style. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, I thought this was really, really good. It was very, very worthwhile watching. Um, the aftermath is pretty decent as well because Andre's given the belt um, to Amazing Heat. And I'm going to splice in his promo here as well. highlight of that for me is obviously him surrendering the World Tag Team Championships that he's not even won yet. Well, he knows the future, you see. (laughs) A second referee comes out um, to dispute the issue, and what do you know? He looks just like the first referee. We've got some pre-Bella I mean, (laughs) it's not like the Hebners to be dodgy, Uh, but there you go. (laughs) Oh my god, they sold Hogan's title reign right out the Come on, have a look. We've got his title reign. Who wants it? Hogan grabs them both and a little bit of confusion ensues and then Earl nails Dave and Hulk Hogan figures well that must make you the evil one brother and press slams Earl out of the ring and completely overshoots Ted Virgil and Andre going over their heads and landing him on the arena floor in a nasty bump which will earn Hulk Hogan my dick move of the week that was uh, massively unnecessary it just didn't look after him no, at all. No, I just lobbed him, and uh, there you go. And uh, it's not like he's, he, he's... I know they've got... Referees have a bit of training, but it's not... They're not, they're not trained that well. Yeah, this is not um, nice padded mats drop either. This is right under concrete halfway He almost threw him back aisle. into the changing rooms. <laughs> he nearly did. It was, it was just nasty. 
And just like that, the highest rating match in the history of wrestling has come and gone, but it was definitely a spectacle, definitely enjoyable. And yeah, I actually, I didn't find Andre's matches to be as boring as people make them out to be. I know he couldn't move. I know his mobility was an issue and he didn't have a million moves in his arsenal, but the sheer impressiveness of him made up for it. And it's not like he did nothing at all. The match was all was doing something. Doing what he needed to do to get that match over, given what he had. But uh, no, I've not... I mean, I probably will do. I'm not sure if I've seen a bad Andre match. I guess all you're going to see now is late career, unless somebody's got some really good footage of when he's in Stampede. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But yeah, it was really enjoyable. Uh, That will take us on to the main event. Well, not really, but it is the last match of the show. The Hart Foundation um, challenging for the Tag Team Championships up against the Champion Strike Force, and we are treated to a lengthy back-and-forth technical masterclass here. Oh, no, we're not. We're out of time. So we have Gene with Hulk Hogan again, um, giving a promo, which I'll splice in. And then in the ring, we see a Bret Hart pile driver. We don't get any entrances, obviously. And Vince McMahon signs, signs off. Um, we're going to miss out completely. We get some a credit screen rolling while still having the, the match in the background. And we actually see Tito steal a win with a roll-up for the one, two, three in the, you know, 30 seconds between signing out and leaving the air. So, um, no, I wasn't. Poor form. Our foundation like get it. the jobber entrance. And then, and basically he's going to Hulk who's very emotional. Uh, and he seems to think how much has Ted DiBiase spent for plastic surgery? It's like, it doesn't work like that Hulk. They're the same body shape as well. You tit. is standing by with Mean Gene. Oh. All right, uh, Vince McMahon, Bedlam and Pandemonium. Things in uh, somewhat of a chaotic state here. Hulk Hogan, I'm sure there's going to be a thorough investigation by the World Wrestling Federation into what happened here tonight, and I know you could not be any more disappointed. How much money did they spend on the plastic surgery, man? I had all bases covered. I had the Hulkamaniacs watching DiBiase. I had Virgil in his place. Never in my wildest dreams, me, Gene, would I think that I would get ripped off by a penny pension two-timing referee. How much money on the plastic surgery? How much money did he spend to pay the referee off when I turned around, me, Gene? They were identical. Identical. Right, right here, Holt. Here it Look is at the now. Shoulder, brother. Look at the shoulder. The referee is paid off, brother. Look at the hundred dollar bill falling out of his pocket. I know you're disappointed. Oh Hulk Hogan, Vince Hulk McMahon, Jesse Ventura, back Hulk to you. <laughs> How much for the plastic surgery? Yeah. Like it couldn't have What's gone. more likely? Are they brothers? Ted DiBiase <laughs> is paid someone else to change their face permanently to look like a referee in the WWE just so he can win the title or they're twins. <laughs> I'm I'm wondering if maybe the um the lack of them calling each other brothers and the shock in the ring is what made him think that. So I'll give him a time. They should have picked the mic up. It's it's pretty funny. One of them should have said, you're my twin brother. And then everyone would have, would have, would have known. Tell, don't show. Yeah, fair enough. But no, I, I, um, I thoroughly enjoyed this. It's not often that I'm actually wishing the show had run longer than what it did when we're reviewing some of these old shows. Really, really good stuff. Um, One of the, 
best things I've watched for the podcast. I know it's not technically brilliant and there's no amazing one promo that you can say is, is famous, but the show itself, what it meant to wrestling and how enjoyable it was to watch. For me, this is the best yeah, thing I've definitely. watched in a long time. Uh, you podcast. could easily sit. I can, you can almost envision sitting there watching it uh, when it was live and uh, even probably the end with Brett, that probably worked when you watched it live. It's just the the uh, network probably doesn't give you the same feelings. Uh, one thing I did do like is Strike Force. If you was to bottle yeah. face tag team, it's Strike Force, isn't it? <laughs> That's brilliant. I love Strike Force. Um, yeah, underrated uh, well, I think doesn't Martel, Martel kind of is remembered for the model and Tito is remembered for not being around much. Um, yeah, but the Strike Force breakup, I think it's WrestleMania 5, I think it's the next year, um, is the first time ever I saw the classic wrestling trope of dropping off the apron and not taking the tag and yeah. leaving your partner oh, in peril. It's one of the first times. Well, it's been used probably on such a big scale. But yeah, it's um, fond memories for me, so big Strike Force fan. Big fan of WWF. Uh, which when they actually cared tag about team wrestling. Uh, tag team wrestling. Indeed. But that's it for the first show. So, as we always do, we're going to have a halftime break here and take a little trip down memorabilia lane. Peace, God. Peace, God. Now the shit is explained. I'm taking niggas on a trip straight through memory lane. It's like that, y'all. It's like that, y'all. It's like that, Do you have anything Funny, in mind? I was to talk thinking about, about how much time I've wasted in my life playing wrestling video games. Even though fundamentally they don't work nice. because wrestling is a performance. So whenever you play them, you have to kind of cheat yourself to make the game look like a wrestling match because 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 you know you have to force yourself <laughs> to do punches and kicks and basically everyone just holds right and the strong grapple button certainly in the older ones but i was actually uh, reminiscing the other day about i think it was wwef not warzone attitude where it went you started off on you started on heat and oh, worked your way up it. and i was thinking i was just such a i don't know it wasn't great but it's probably the game i think even though i know they're a better wrestling game i think it's the one i've i've got the most fondness for which is weird because it's it's not great and it's clunky but yeah i loved it it was just such a evolution to warzone where you could do your own entrances and you started off coming out like at house shows and then you get to heat and then you get your pyro or whatever it is when yeah. you get to get to raw just thought it was uh the perfect balance of fun but almost making you feel like a wrestler I've got so many, so many fond memories about this game. I could talk about this game for hours, believe it or not. And technically, it's a terrible game, but <laughs> I loved it. Um, so I would say, I don't know what the year was, but it must have been about 99. But my brother and I combined our Christmas present this year to get a, get a PlayStation, PlayStation 1. 
And um, we got one secondhand, of course, as you did out the time out the classifieds. And it came with, you know, three or four games or whatever. But what we really wanted was a wrestling game. And Attitude was, it was must have been just before SmackDown was released. Attitude wasn't a new game. It was on sale at the video store. So my mum said, all right, well, we'll get you that for, um, for Christmas as well as your game to go with it. And we got it all home before Christmas being teenage boys. And she said, right, well, you can have a game on. You can have one match on it. Make sure it works because we bought it from the video store. And my brother and I being smart asses said, great, we'll have a Royal Rumble. That's one match. Except we could not figure out how to fucking toss anybody out. And just ended oh, up being I remember, the most boring I think I do remember the Rumble. I think, and I might be wrong, I think you used to have to sit until your character came out as well, but I can't remember if you had to sit and watch or if you could skip. Or maybe you could play one of the one of the other wrestlers until you came out for, for whatever it was. I think you could choose. But what ended up happening was because we couldn't eliminate anybody. I got eliminated and then you got you could pick the next character out. Oh, to dear. Them. And I got fucking Al Snow's head. <laughs> Oh, what it's, an experience. it's not great. This is a game I've got fond memories it, of. It, it's got it's got charm. I just wish, you know, did you ever have though um did you ever have one of them crazes at the time you have a TV character and you had like a little thing in your pocket where you could press yeah, the button? Yeah, I don't know which one. Phrase. I can't remember which like one it was, but I remember the, did you ever have the one whole, of them? Uh somebody in your pocket. I want attitude in your pocket because it had like this for anyone that hasn't played it before every match it would like brief it would have entrances as you said before the first game to have proper entrances with music and pyro as cheesy as it looked but then it would flash to each wrestler before the bell rang and they would each say a catchphrase and there would be crowd insults throughout Shane McMahon and Jerry Lawler on commentary dropping gems and you just heard some of the best stuff ever like um x-pac right before the bell your ass is grass and i'm gonna smoke it or Zer. random guy in the audience oh, it was all, oh awesome. i just remembered it had runnings I'm, I'm getting that uh, misty <laughs> idea it's so good no. and it had and, and the uh, that could never finishes that through. required uh probably to jump through hoops Oh, every match, every match consisted of pressing pause 14 man. times each to look at your move list. Yeah, yeah snap I mean, man's like left, it, it right, left, right, up, down, triangle, square. <laughs> yeah, there's one move I've just learned, if I remember all that. So I can either do 46 snap, snap mares or I can keep pressing pause and picking my next move. Yeah, so technically terrible. Yeah, I won't be getting an emulator for it, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that was it. Oh, if 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 we could get backwards compatibility on the PlayStation, I would buy it again. I'd buy it again and I'd record <laughs> every comment and somehow make a file of them. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Shamrock snap. <laughs> or my favourite was Jerry Law, and he'd say this every match. Um, big Boss Man is sick and twisted. He's not even like wrestling, wrestler, but not Big Boss Man. I oh, know, it's oh, just great. The fantastic. absolute best. So bad, but so great. <laughs> well, that will do it for our little trip down memory lane. Um, always love talking about old merch and the yeah, stuff we've Yeah, I'm not going to continue. I'll, uh, we'll leave it there. I'm, d- I'm just going to say that uh, WrestleMania 2000 is rated in my most difficult games of all time list and leave it there. But now we're going to have to stop stalling <laughs> a la Zabisco uh, and Jerry the King Lawler and go and look at right. Super Clash 3, I think. It, well, it can't be as the bad as watching it going through it, surely. 
Jakai. Vern Gagne presents Super Clash 3. From the University of Illinois Chicago Pavilion in Chicago, Illinois, these matches are sanctioned by the AWA, the WCCW, the CWA, and the CWF. And now let's go to ringside and your host for this evening, Larry Nelson. In stark contrast to the WWF's awesome opening promos, we get a really cheesy opening um, on this. And then we've got Larry Nelson and Lee Marshall uh, running down the show and Gary Capetta's a ring announcer. So at least a bunch of names we've heard of there before, even if they don't necessarily have stellar evenings. No, no, they're... Uh... They've they've done better, and we um we actually get sort of a revolving door of commentators, and it's hard to keep up with because they never really announce who's coming in, and you're just expected to know on the way. So I'll try and bring you all the, the changes to the booth as we go, but it wasn't always easy to pick it. Now it's it's another example of doing the opposite of giving people uh, hooks into knowing what's happening. It, it it from the start very much starts off with if you don't know what's happening, you're screwed. We then see the Rock and Roll RPMs and Cactus Jack take on the Guerreros. So, not Eddie, obviously. It's Hector, Chavo Classic, and Mondo, I think. Yeah, Chavo yeah, yeah. Classic. Love him. <laughs> Great. <laughs> we get yeah. a pretty fast start by Hector. Um, and I noticed that one of the Beverly Brothers is the referee. Is it? I noticed he had a crazy mullet. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know if it's Bo or Blake, but it's definitely one of the Beverly Brothers. And he referees about four matches on the show. He must be happy about that turn of events. <laughs> yeah. We get some punches from Cactus, and he takes a backdrop on the concrete floor for a classic Cactus Jack bump in a in, in a completely unnecessary match. Yeah, watching these, it makes it hard to watch him now. Watching him take that, that bump for literally no reason for a thousand people and uh, a buy rate of peanuts. Oh, God. As we're speaking, my emails just popped up that I've had no new podcast reviews for the month. Thank you, listeners, for never giving me a review. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> good, good man. Um, we get some... The Guerrero's taking turns on Cactus Jack's leg, and then Chavo puts on a leg scissors. We get a six-man brawl, and the heels isolate Chavo momentarily, but we get a six-man brawl again to break that up. Um, and we get a Chavo moonsault for the one, two, three. And I notice as all this is going on that the apron isn't like a professionally made apron like the WWF shows. It's just got stickers over whatever was on there before. Yes. Uh, I guess the the running theme of this will be company that is big but is slowly dying, cutting back because they can't afford what they need to actually promote and invest. Yeah, and deciding to go to Chicago and not Texas or Memphis for Jerry Lawler versus Kerry Von Eric probably didn't help them get advanced money that could have helped cover this stuff. Yeah, it, it's not what I would call booking genius, no. <laughs> we then get a promo from Ivory, believe it or not, in 1988 in the AWA, but it's a bit of a dud, so it's nothing to write home about, that's for sure. It does, however, mean we're going to see the, the girls from... It's not Glow anymore, it's now... um. 
powerful ladies of wrestling, I think. Yeah. Plow, that's not so good. <laughs> no. No, that, that that that's not allowed in the Me Too world. <laughs> oh my god, I just I'm like Pow. Pow, okay. Um <laughs> Pow, yeah. Powerful is. of wrestling? I don't know. It's definitely not plow. <laughs> yeah, no. I've obviously made that up in my mind and I probably shouldn't have done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You, you'll uh, you, take a couple of minutes to think about that and then uh, leave it. I'm... Yeah, I believe there that she's introducing the Beverly Hills Undercracker Battle Royale. Yeah, the um, lingerie $10,000 some shit. I don't know. Uh, we'll talk about it when it comes up later. <laughs> yeah. Battle Royale with cheese. <laughs> We then see an instant classic Eric Embry taking on Jeff Jarrett. So there's a match that's been shit on for decades that I'm finally getting to watch. Good fucking God. Jarrett, my my God, his hair's awful. They spell flamboyant wrong, <laughs> unless it's an American spelling, uh, which I couldn't find. And uh, the flamboyant, Eric, it just doesn't work. It's, it, it's a shit moniker. <laughs> They start out with some chain wrestling and lots of reverses and blocks and reverses on moves. Um, no one really getting the upper hand. Embry eventually gets a clothesline, and I notice that Vern's on commentary in place of what was Ray Stevens for the first match. Um, still um, Lee Marshall on with them, but Larry Nelson's going to be conducting the ringside promos. Embry goes under the arm of Jarrett, and then Jarrett comes with a second rope drop kick and sells his shoulder. He tries four or five pinning combinations, but... Eric Embry just randomly turns one of them over and wins himself in a completely shit ending. And apparently that's enough to become the new world-class lightweight champion. So, boo to that. It was shit. Yeah, it was god-awful. Uh, I th- I, again, because it's a multi-company, you just get the feeling that it's uh, wins and losses, not what makes sense. But if you let so-and-so win, I'll let him win. Yeah, Kind yeah. of bollocks. Uh, well, I mean, that's obvious what happens in the end. Uh, it was just garbage. It it, it definitely was not uh, 1996 first match on Nitro. Yeah, it was um, not so good. It was not putting the Cruiserweight out. No, it was the opposite. <laughs> we then go to a promo with The Terrorist. Yes, you heard that oh, right. Fuck it now. <laughs> and my notes here. Obviously, Ivory didn't say what she, who she was wrestling for because I put here, did I just put glow on by mistake? <laughs> We're going to find out soon. I put something like that on. Yeah, close. Yeah. And then we go to Wayne Bloom versus Jimmy Valiant, who is 187 years old. Um Wayne Bloom is obviously not the Beverly that's been refereeing, so it must be Mike Enos by process of elimination. But this was a match I had zero interest in watching. Thank fuck it was short. Squash-tastic. I don't know why they even bothered. Yeah, it's a Jimmy Valiant flying elbow and a 1-2-3. He's too old to have a match, so let's let him win. Yeah, so it does nothing good for the for Wayne Bloom. Uh, boogie-woogie isn't a credible opponent so it basically just wasted some of my precious life <laughs> boogie woogie jimmy valiant just reminds me of what would have happened if that member of the beach boys that let charles manson live with him if those two had somehow had a baby it'd be jimmy valiant <laughs> yeah probably less dangerous as well <laughs> um it's just bad we then get a promo with bambi and dave mclean and yes it is the guys from glow this guy is absolutely spot on um 
the the guy that plays him on the the TV series Glow does an awesome job because I recognize him from that immediately. Yeah, yeah, I I hadn't realized how close it was, but uh, it's, it's it's fucking awesome. Yeah, bravo. Uh, I believe this is the third Larry Nelson interview with uh, a lady from Pow, uh, where he slimes all over her. <laughs> yeah, it's um... not literally. It doesn't literally slime. I mean, to be <laughs> honest, if 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 Vernon <laughs> promised that on the pay per view, it might at least got the uh, pervert. Uh, oh, brigade, just, but he didn't. It just plows on him. <laughs> yeah, is so and so from Plow Slime? <laughs> oh my god! We then go to something far less sexy. It's um, Brickhouse Brown taking on Iceman King Parsons with special referee Mister Burns. For fuck's sake! Yeah, it's again. It's not got the level of excitement that watching two seconds of the Strike Force. Heart Foundation match gave me. If I thought Jimmy Valiant looked old in the match before, compared to this referee, Gorilla Monsoon would be calling Jimmy Valiant a fresh-faced youngster. Yeah, this referee. The minute basically he uh, goes down for a pin, I, I expected his pelvis to break. <laughs> I've seen Egyptian tombs less fucking dusty than this referee. Oh, <laughs> uh, this. this <laughs> I, I actually think Vern ran out of referees and he just. Just went to the old people zone. I think he got his dad. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, it's so bad. This whole show is just utter bollocks. <laughs> yeah. If anyone can tell, the uh, the only way you can get through this show is uh, through laughter. <laughs> You've got to laugh or you'd cry. Um, Brickhouse Brown starts us off with a drop kick and a bit of dancing. Um, he botches a backslide pretty poorly for a two. There is lots of stalling, so again, we're going there. And we get a high knee from the Iceman and a clothesline for a two count. He comes with a nice snap suplex for a two before Brickhouse Brown uh, hits a crossbody for a two. Iceman hits a nice punching combo for a two. Uh, we get a backdrop from Brown and then a flying forearm for a two. But Iceman sneaks in a foreign object, hits him with a punch for the one, two, three in. The match itself was was passable. It's nothing better than that. Um, but we get an average promo after the match from the Iceman where he delivers a very famous line from a much better wrestler later on. That Did you catch what the line was there? Uh, no, I think I missed it. Oh, I've heard it. I didn't write it down in my notes. and I'm trying to forget this. Yeah, he refers to Brickhouse Brown as a Rudy Poo. I do remember that. Yep, I was like, I wonder who, uh, I wonder who used that. I can't believe The Rock was one of the eight people watching this show. He, he was probably, unfortunately, in the back. <laughs> probably not allowed. And probably not allowed to... uh, near rock and roll uh, book some off though. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Uh, we go back to the back again for a promo with Pocahontas and Brandy May. So, yes, we are hitting all the stereotypes here for oh, Glow. That's another shit one. And we get a bit of a... Well, this is an absolute clusterfuck, not a bit. It's a, it's a six-man mixed tag. So it's the it's, And it's for the AWA tag titles and the AWA women's title. It's Bad Company, who are the champions, and Medusa taking on the Top Guns and Wendy Richter, who is the women's champion. And we never really get this explained, and apparently neither do the wrestlers, the referee, the commentator, or anyone in the arena, because it ends up going to shit. And I think, is it DDP has to come out later on commentary and clarify the whole mess? Yeah, yeah, DDP. 
I think it's when he comes out with another uh, wrestler, but he comes out and has to say, "Look, this is this is what happens." It's it's overbooked, um, so spectacularly. Yeah, and we'll get to exactly what happened here as we go through the match. But we get a six-person brawl to start with, and Bad Company are actually just the Orient Express for anyone that doesn't know, but um, with the white guy not yet wearing a mask. Yep, because he's a white guy. (laughs) And not from the Orient. That is true. Tanaka eats a huge clothesline and does the flip sell before being pinned for a two. Um, We get a drop kick from Dukes for a two count. And then a diamond side slam and an underhook suplex for a two. The girls come in and Medusa hits a suplex before Wendy Richter comes back with a a leg sweep and a powerbomb for a two. We get some more brawling. Lots of botches in the match. Um, Tanaka goes to kick Wendy Richter who was apparently meant to duck and have him hit Medusa, but she doesn't. So she kick, he kicks Wendy Richter, and then they have to go and do it over again because they fucked up the spot and he was meant to kick his own partner. So in the end, it makes um, it makes Wendy Richter look like a superwoman because she ate a super kick from a man and then just got back up and ducked the next one. Yeah, they, they didn't, a bit of panic there, or not giving a fuck, one of the two. She then hits a pretty shit drop kick to Tanaka and goes over and pins Medusa for the one, two, three. And the botch we were talking about earlier is essentially the Top Guns act as though they've won the tag titles and are presented with the belt sort of on the outside and leave with them. So they didn't pin the tag champs and it was never expressly said that um, whichever team won took all the belts. Um, We're not really sure what's happened. There's no explanation on commentary and they're as confused as we are. If your rules require that amount of uh, description and explaining, then you, you've 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 broken the golden rule of keeping it simple. If the plan was to do a title change, then you want the pop with the title change. So you explain to the crowd. The ring announcer says, "Whichever team wins takes all the belts." Done. Jobs done in eight seconds. Um, then you get the pop yep. when the, the faces win. If the idea is not to give the face team the tag titles and to do a finish which doesn't include any belts changing don't have them leave with the belts and get the crowd excited nah you're just fucking with a crowd that's already not invested yeah from there we go to larry nelson with kerry von eric um pretty generic face promo um kerry wasn't the best of pro- best promo at the best of time so nothing to write home about but it does sort of set the scene for it being an important match with lawler later on yeah, it does sound pretty fucked, though. Yeah. We then get it. But I don't know if that's his promo. <laughs> um, I, I'd say you're probably not far off the mark. <laughs> we then get an international TV title match, and I call bollocks to that. There's no way any of this is on international TV. No chance. They're lucky it's on uh, Chicago TV. And it's Greg Garnier, the t- champion, defending against rubbish Ronnie Garbage. So Greg Garnier against Ronnie Garvin. What a dream match. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Ronnie Garvin hits a snap mare and goes into a chin lock almost immediately. Ganya comes back with a backdrop and they go to a slugfest with decent intensity and fairness. They do get some stuff going. But then we get the five minutes into the match announcement from the ring announcer. Ronnie Garvin goes to a small package for a two. They brawl along the outside and we get the fastest count ever. And Ronnie Garvin is counted out to booze from the crowd 
and Greg Gagne goes to cut a face promo to more boos from the crowd who are having none of this utter bullshit where two guys have come in from different areas or territories and none of them want to lose, so they've had a quick five-minute double count out. Yeah, no one's fool, uh, falling for this. And I, I I can't help but think there's a bit of backlash against Greg anyway because he's daddy's boy. Yeah, and this just does not come over well. It's another one of those matches, much like the Valiant match earlier, where you just think, why, why'd you bother? It's a waste of time. Yeah, it's just to get people on the show, but what's the point? Yeah, it's just not good. Larry Nelson's then with Jerry Lawler, who cuts a decent, actually semi-serious promo, so I'll splice some of this one in, because it's not your usual Jerry Lawler promo, and I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty good. Can I ask you about your strategy tonight? Obviously, he's had trouble with his leg. Is that what you're going for? Well, I'm going to tell you something. I've wrestled Kerry Von Erich a couple times in the past, and initially, that was my strategy. I thought, because I had heard from all sorts of sources about, of course, everybody knows that he had, had been in a serious motorcycle accident, had had surgery, extensive surgery on his ankle, and I thought that that would be the route to take. But I found out that either, uh, either it's completely 100% well, or either he's devised a way to protect that leg very well. Well, so I'm not going to come out here and say right now exactly what strategy I'm going to take, but I will tell you this. No, I'm not going to go after that leg because, as I found in the past, that's not the route to take with Kerry Von Erich. You know, he's a big man. He's a very strong man. He's got muscles in places where most people don't even have places, and that can be, and that is, I'm just going to give you that little bit of information that can be used against Kerry Von Erich as well as it can work in his favor. Ladies and gentlemen, the comments of Jerry the King Lawler as we await the main event. Let's go to the ring. Now, I thought it was a good one. It uses the uh, theory that talk your opponent up while insulting them as opposed to so beating them is something special. That certainly, if you showed someone Jerry the King from this point and then Jerry the King, Lola, now, you'd, you'd, you'd have to question what the fuck happened because... Uh, I wonder if just maybe talker. he got dressed in the, in the wrong part of the dressing room a little bit too close to Buck Zumoff. <laughs> Allegedly. Obviously, Lawler's There's a possibility. You know, girls of choice are a little bit older than Buck's, but I only kid. I only kid. We then, we then get the POW lingerie battle royal, which is the real-life glow, so very cool. Um, David McLean's on commentary now, and... Um, Apparently, you can be eliminated one of two ways. Be stripped of your clothes or thrown over the top rope. This is an absolute mess. I do spot Luna in there, which is quite cool. Um, and I've got here... I've actually lost my train of thought. I've got something about lots of flesh and mad tits when someone is pinned. Oh, it's just garbage. There's somebody wearing a top in it that you'd... You think, would you really wear that for a battle royale, let alone one where you're going to get stripped naked? It's just, it's the fantastic levels of cheesy, sexist shite, which doesn't actually get them over. I will admit, right, I watched the Attitude Era, some of it ain't great to go back to, but in an odd way... They were trying to make money out of the people in, I don't know, the gravy matches or the Thanksgiving pillow fight under cracker <laughs> baby oil on a pole match or whatever they had. But this was just a load of people in a ring 
taking their clothes off and being chucked out with actual no benefit to anyone. No, and the last two in the ring, the terrorist and Brandy May, the terrorist gets a win and supposedly gets $10,000. And again, I'm going to call bollocks because I don't reckon this show made that much money. Nah, there's no chance this show made $10,000. We then get a promo with Babyface Sergeant Slaughter, who is about to take on Colonel De Beers in a boot camp match. Um... And apparently, we can only have the match stopped by the referee's count for a pin or submission. Oh, I was really looking forward <laughs> to this. Slaughter uses his riding stick to get the jump on Colonel to be as early, but the Colonel ch- uh, chokes him with his belt, and we get some piped-in booze because you can tell there's not enough people in the crowd for the level of booze they're putting into this. What I like is as they pipe the booze in, they then have a shot that shows you how many empty seats are on the odd yeah, camera it's great, side. Isn't it? It's it it's irritating. The thing that from the start you can bring anything into this match, and these chumps have brought nothing. <laughs> no body armor, no face protection, no bats, no four B twos, no bears, no knives. Not a shark, not a tank of piranhas, no dynamite, not poo on a stick. (laughs) They've just brought good, clean, old-fashioned wrestling. Yeah. Why? If I said to you, Lee, right, we're going to have a scrap, no old bard, you can bring what you like. You would not go, right then, I'll turn up in my wrestling gear. (laughs) No. You would find the most dangerous item you had in your house and then use it to maim me. Possibly, yeah. <laughs> You've got a point. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> just... Yeah, that is probably the catchphrase for this whole show. And um, on, on, a, on a really very similarly related note, DDP comes out here and we basically take focus off the match so that he can explain into the camera from the outside the ring that the tag titles didn't change hands and that was just a load of shit that happened earlier. Yeah, do you remember that shit that we showed you earlier? It was all shit. Pretty much. Slaughter gets a snap there and we brawl along the outside for a while. Um, DDP holds Slaughter while the colonel runs headfirst with his helmet, but Slaughter, of course, moves and um, (laughs) he puts on the helmet and delivers some (laughs) headbutts. Sorry, he said helmet and I'm a child. (laughs) (laughs) We get a clothesline and a cobra clutch, and that's it, over and done with. Um, DDP waves in for help, and it's the fucking, uh, it's the Sheik, Adnan El Kaisi, and then the Iron Sheik. So Sheik squared for a four-on-one attack on Sergeant Slaughter, but he's saved by the Guerrero brothers who chase him off and seem to really want to go at it. And then we get the typical Sergeant Slaughter pledge of allegiance. So this is crap, 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 and more crap to finish. Much crap. I wonder if the Guerrero brothers would help nowadays uh, run off anyone. Mexicans helping an American. Seems possibly unlikely. (laughs) This is just going on and on and on and on here. Um, Apta then gives Jerry Lawler the international uh, inspirational wrestler of the year. So that was, you know, a good little backstage segment made it look important. Before we go to our next matchup, which is Steve Cox and... Michael PSAs PSAs coming out to Bad Street, taking on the Samoan SWAT team, who have Buddy Roberts with them. So, what do you know? Uh, it's Steve. Do it to it, Cox. Don't 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 forget. I mean, it's Cox. It's Steve. Do it <laughs> to it. Uh, yeah, 
Samu hits a power slam and we go into a slugfest before Cox hits an arm drag and we go into brawl along the outside. We get a beautiful brain buster by Fatu before locking in a nerve hold. We get a double clothesline and a four-man brawl. Cox hits a nice plancher to the outside, actually. And PS hits his DDT, but the referee's distracted. And Buddy comes in with an elbow and puts Fatu on top of PS Hayes. And this allows a one, two, three. And I've just got here, when did one elbow drop beat a fresh Michael PS Hayes? And the replay eventually shows us that maybe he had something in his hand, but it was still a completely crappy finish yet again. Yep, this is someone not wanting to eat a clean pin. And he, uh, there, there are two things I particularly like. He's one, when they do the replay many times, you can't see shit hitting him in the face. So they screw that up. And then I particularly like Michael P.S.'s Hayes's uh, cell job, which I think he's still continuing now. <laughs> yeah, it was it was crap. It was less said about yeah, this, the better. Indeed, well, the old pay-per-view, but yeah, definitely. We then get a promo with the two sheiks, which I'll splice in for its certifiable madness. Um, nothing great, but it's still funny. <laughs> oh, I mean, they're, they're on a whole different plane. Well, we'll try to get more information, ladies and gentlemen, later on about Michael Hayes. Right now, I'm standing here with two men who interfered in something that was absolutely none of their business. The Iron Sheik and Sheik Adnan LKC. Now, let's hear it. What's the story? Well, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Billahi min ash-Shaytan ar-Rajim. Now, Sergeant Slara, I have told you, I have a big surprise for you, for you and the AWA and the rest of the wrestlers in the United States of America. And the surprise is a proven, and we're not finished with you. We're going to chase you every place, everywhere, and to be done with you. And this is the surprise. Chitori Aga Khuba. Alhamdulillah. Adnal Al Ghaisi. Assalamu alaikum. Every intelligent American, Mr. Nelson, know about the Orange Sheik and Soldier Slaughter. No. Mr. Soldier Slaughter, I know that's your country. You have a lot of support. But remember, our support. Is Allah, Ya Ali, Muhammad. Now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Indeed. And we then go to our next old guy matchup. It's Wahoo McDaniel taking on Manny Fernandez in a strap match. Manny cuts a Steiner esque promo on Tatsu Fujinami, who is out to introduce this match. And I'm going to splice it in because I just thought it had definite shades of Scott Steiner. But. The match itself is crap. I hate strap matches at the best of times, and we, when one of them's with a granddad, it's just horrible. Oh, fucking hate him. Because they always use the same fucking spot. The, oh, he's tagging him behind you. Yeah, like exactly. a fucking pantomime. And we get... So this is meant to be some sort of brutal death match, and we get a chin lock early, and it's like, for fuck's sake. And then eight seconds later, someone's busted open. Wahoo's completely bladed out of a couple of straps and a chin lock. Yeah, it's like, I can't do anything else but bleed to death, so I'll do that. And he's selling like he's at the end of an Iron Man match two minutes into the fucking match. It is just awful. Yeah, yeah it's... These matches often, or, or gimmick matches, often go the other way, where... A shot that's usually devastating is uh, has less power in this kind of match. Like like when people use chairs in hardcore matches, they never knock anyone out and for a win, but they will do it in a normal match. But they, they go the other way. It's like this strap has suddenly taken all my powers. 
Yeah, it's just terrible. So they do the usual spots, exactly what you said, walking after each other, tapping. They do chops. They do hits with the, with the strap. The most exciting thing is spotting Bill Apter at ringside taking photos. If, if you're looking out um, for Bill Apter, and we get- that says a lot about this match. And the line of the night on commentary, Wahoo looks to be in pretty bad shape right now. Yes, yes, he does. Yeah, I don't know if they're talking about the match, his gut. <laughs> I just thought yeah. in general, honestly. I don't think it can, it can pertain to the match, nah. especially. Um, Lee Marshall's been fairly decent on commentary, in fairness, despite the revolving door of shit partners he's had all night. Um, we get the um, Wahoo McDaniel follows... Manny and manages to touch all four after him to get the win. The same old finish you always get. Manny Fernandez beats him down and Fujinami makes a save. Um, Lee Marshall's then with uh, Wahoo, who threatens death and to get a gun. So I'll splice a little bit of that in for you. But after putting on a shit performance, he's realized he can't go in the ring and he's just going to flat out murder his opponents now. Yeah, I mean, probably needs to give some advice to Sergeant Slaughter, really. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, your logical hero. It's like, what was the fucking point? Just shoot the fucker if that's what you want to do. It's not. Don't you don't need to escalate from a punch to a knife to a gun. Just shoot him, please. <laughs> Ring attendants bringing Wahoo McDaniel over. Wahoo, as I mentioned before, you had never lost a strap match. But the price you had to pay tonight, pal, I gotta ask you if it was worth it. Like I told you, I don't think this thing will ever be settled between Manny Fernandez and I, not in the ring, maybe somewhere sometimes, maybe out behind a building here, maybe even with a gun in my hand, but I'll tell you one thing, this little strap match didn't settle anything between us tonight. He took a beating, I took a beating, but beating him's not what I want, brother, I want him dead. Whoa. Fans, it doesn't get any more crystal clear than that. There he is, the winner, Wahoo McDaniel. Let's go back to Larry Nelson. Larry, you take it from here, pal. And then we get what was my next contender for Dick Move of the night, but it didn't quite win because Hogan nearly killed Earl Hebner. But this was close. Larry Nelson's with Vern and Stanley Blackburn. And the first thing I say is, for the love of God, please, Vern, do not put yourself into a match. I was waiting for it. I was I was waiting for it because uh, did you know Vern was the the AWA champ? Has he mentioned it? Not recently, but I, I I seem to remember something a while back. These guns have the nerve to call this the greatest night in the history of wrestling, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? This has been the worst eight nights of my life trying to split this up and get it all watched. <laughs> it, you've got to have a little bit of self awareness. I know you've got to promote, but. Some poor sods paid money to watch this shit. You should be apologizing. You should be on your knees begging. Yeah. The nerve of them to say this is probably the greatest night you've ever seen. Okay, first of all, you've got a thousand people in there. WrestleMania three last year had ninety thousand people in it. Secondly, Hogan and Andre earlier this year, we've already talked about today, but fucking hell, like it's not been it's probably wasn't the greatest night of wrestling that week. It probably wasn't the greatest night of wrestling on that night because I bet the <laughs> I bet the WWF had a ho- probably had two house shows given the uh, schedule they used to have. They were probably running A and B shows somewhere in the country, somewhere in America. A kid rented WrestleMania or SummerSlam or something 
had two friends sleep over his house and that was a greater night of wrestling than this would ever be. Yes. Yeah. Definitely. Just, just awful. We then go to what is the match we've all been building for, even though it's not the final contest. I guess technically it's still the main event. It's Jerry Lawler taking on Kerry Von Erich, the AWA champion taking on the world-class champion in a no-disqualification match. But Lawler gets a jobber entrance anyway. Yeah, I don't understand why that was. Lawler cuts a respectful heel promo in the ring, um, not murdering his character, but making it clear that uh, Von Erich's the babyface tonight, who is crazy over, and despite having no entrance music, the sound of women going nuts for him is pretty jarring. Yeah, I mean, there's 500... Probably, it's probably a 50-50 crowd, and the 50% is making a massive amount of noise. What do you think Jerry Lawler does to start this match? Uh, well... I was going to say stall, but then I thought stall. But I finally, I finally <laughs> came to the conclusion you probably do some stalling. He is a stalwart of wrestling. <laughs> the commentary tells us that they've each beaten Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and the Macho Man. That's great. Can you get any of those guys onto this show? Because this is fucking terrible. Yeah, don't mention things that are better than your own. It's it. Don't draw attention to the, the crowd that they're not watching that indeed Kerry Von Erich has, hits three clotheslines very slowly going in and out you know making selling them as big moves and then he's patented discus punch for a two Lola comes back with a snap mare and the referee gets bumped Kerry hits a pile driver for two which is a long time coming with the referee being out they brawl along the outside and Von Erich is busted wide open Again, would probably have more effect if we didn't have the blade jobs unnecessarily in previous matches. Lawler goes for a second rope fist drop and then goes for a second but's caught and he's caught by his belly because Kerry Von Erich puts the iron claw onto Lawler's midsection. What a fucking weird move that is. Yeah, I was, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't, I have never seen anyone try to do a submission move to someone's stomach. Yeah, it is just, it's out there. Um, <clears throat> it's enough to subdue Lawler and allows him to transition to the claw to the head. Jerry Lawler uses a foreign object twice and Von Erich starts juicing really badly. Um, he's beaten down pretty badly. We go to a slug fesso as he fights back and he locks on the claw again and he's got Lawler on the floor passing out and the referee calls for the bell it's obvious what's happening here despite the fact that he's been busted open for minutes and minutes and minutes he's about to put Lawler down and the referee calls it off and says that he's got to be he loses the match due to blood loss um you can absolutely smell the bullshit before they even make the announcement if you pause the video you can actually see the part where his heart breaks is uh, pretty much the analogy <laughs> I will use here this 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 bit right here is that's his last chance gone. That is Vern's, as far as I'm concerned, to the uh, audience. That's the last thing he can do to fuck him over. It's, they need a finish. I know you've got two stars, one from two, two different firms. If you're going to do that, then I know they all argue with each other, but you've got to agree for the betterment of your business when you leave this to go on. What they actually agreed was, let's keep it as it is, so all of this rest, this uh, event is pointless. If there's one thing people don't like watching or being told is, that thing you invested time in, ah, it's fucking pointless. 
so many TV series get to the end and people go, was that it? And it, they, they feel cheated. And this is just shite. It doesn't help that, depending on what story you listen to, that uh, Kerry Von Erich spends more of his time looking at his fucking bicep than anything else because he sliced it up, either A, with his jig for his head, or because he snapped a, a bloody syringe in it. It's just utter crap. The crowd made two noises all night. The women whistling and cheering for Von Erich when he entered, and the women and the men chanting bullshit when this was over. Yeah, just... It wasn't too bad a match given what there was. Uh, Like I said, Kerry looking at his arm repeatedly was a bit fucking weird because nobody's ever had that injury in uh, wrestling before. But the end needed an end. Uh, especially you're not going to TV the next week. This isn't like Austin getting screwed by Vince. I mean, how many, I dread to think how many pay-per-views I stopped up to watch in the late 90s where Austin would get screwed over. Uh, but you'd want to watch Raw the next day. Whereas, what, what are you going to do? They're, they're not going to have anything else after this. So, just bollocks. And it, it, it's where the last of my simpy disappears. <laughs> it is terrible. Um from there we get a quick heel promo from Lawler and then a babyface promo from Von Eric, but he's he's disgustingly bladed. It's it's awful. You should never ever lose this much blood for wrestling. Um, the only thing I can really compare it to is the Eddie Guerrero blade job against JBL when he just overdid it and it was disgusting. Or one or two of Vince's blade jobs actually around, in the early two thousands were pretty gross as well. Yeah, uh, often mentioned, but uh, pretty much the perfect blade job will be probably Austin. Uh, uh, against Brett at 13 because it's the it's a believable amount of blood and for once you don't think uh, it's gratuitous yeah absolutely from there we go to our final match which is a stud stable Robert Fuller and Timmy Gold uh, Jimmy Golden taking on the Rock and Roll Express and nothing they do is going to save this match Ricky Morton hits a headlock and a shoulder block and a hip toss we get some chain wrestling with the heels, keep trying to cheat and ballsing it up in some poor comedy wrestling to end the night. Um, I've completely given up on this show until we get a crisscross and then I'm invested for about 20 seconds again. Love a crisscross. Um, love it. Jimmy Golden gets a bear hug. We get a double drop kick from the Rock and Rolls and a four-man brawl and we get a bell. So we're going to end the show with a double disqualification. Dud of a match, shit ending and bitter, bitter taste left in my mouth after this shit show. Yep, I think Fern comes out to have a little chat and you can just see the crowds leaving in the background. It's just, just that's it. You, you, If you can't tell you're screwed now, you never will because what you put on there was illogical. We, um, we actually get promos from both the teams and then you're right, Vern comes out. Lee Marshall chats to him and has the fucking nerve to call this the greatest night ever once again. Um, anyone that said that, deserve to be immediately stricken with at least a temporary disease for having the nerve to lie to the world or at least the 10 people that were watching it um and that's it for one of the worst shows we've ever watched i know it seems that we say this every time but that had the combination of shit finishes finishes you know that were just done for politics crap wrestling and there aren't even any new names in there they can see what they're doing uh mr perfect's already left scott hall seems to have left uh 
even from the last show we did, the 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 roster is just has beens. Uh, the rockers are gone. Yeah, the rockers. It's just it is it's, it, it, it is the the death knell. There isn't anything else. And to be honest, I thought I would have more uh, empathy. But to be honest, having watched it, it, it's a fine example. If you watch every show we've watched thus far, of how to fucking kill your business. I'm going to go Dave Meltzer here and say, on the Hammerlock scale, this gets a solid 16 out of 10. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the wankometer is broken at this point. Yeah, it's just the whole show is crap. I hate it. I will never watch this again as long as I live. I will recommend you avoid it at all costs. And um, for the first time, Richie, in the history of the podcast, I'm not even running through the category. So WWF wins all five. Um, unless you disagree, please feel free to open the debate, but you will lose. And this is not even a contest. No. By far, hands down, 100 million percent Saturday night, so the main event beats this. Nah, it's not even It's not even worth discussing. <laughs> I was... Uh... Thinking about the characters, I tend to do that sort of like just before we record the uh, the scores even, and I was like, "There's there's there's nothing. There's, they, they there's, there's it's men against boys. It's a um, technically it's ten nil, but I'm going to call it just like the uh, women's World Cup game with the USA this morning, thirteen nil, and on the thirteenth goal, we're still celebrating like we've just won the World Cup. Yeah, it's uh, that's how much of a whitewash it is. Complete and utter destruction of of it uh and i think that's probably the last we'll, we'll we'll see of that i think we've only got one more year left and uh i'm hoping to god we can find something else well 89 is full of gems actually um 89 you've got wrestlemania 5 you've got SummerSlam 89 um which i think is, is zeus in in the tag match which is great you got survivor series 89 um lots of good wwf shows and I'm sure there's plenty of Sting and Ric Flair on the other channel and Lex Luger we can pick apart to go again. So I'm actually excited for what we look at next. I haven't got a, a firm favourite in mind, but I think there's some good stuff around. You've also got uh, Austin's debut, I think, is 89, so we might be able to find that. That might be interesting. Nice, yeah. So I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it, and I'm glad that we've left the AWA behind because it was killing me slowly. Yeah, I've... Uh slowly lost the will to live and i watch the uh current products every week and uh awa is even worse than that oh god you poor man uh yeah i i think you just get to a point where you just numb to that totally did me in that just i don't want to talk about it anymore yeah awful i like to spread these podcasts out i just want to delete the information from my brain and never have to think about it again That's as good a note as any to end this one, I think. <laughs> do not watch one of these shows. Definitely watch the other one. Um, that'll do it for today for Richie and I. Um, thank you once again for jumping on with me, Richie. Uh, have you got anything you want to say before we Don't check out ever on this one? watch the AWA. Indeed. That is better advice you will not get. Um, get in touch with us on Twitter, rate and review the show. Um, always helpful. Leave any comments or feedback as always. And I will speak to you all again very, bother, very mate. soon. So, Richie, thank you very much.
time to get kicked up, uh, sunshine coming through my blinds, I'm living, but, really though, it's never enough, ten billion, that's a must, living in California, everybody wanna visit for, they come from, from all around the world for the, these niggas are kill for that, put it in your grill for that, still everybody got a build for that, me, I make meals off that, how the fuck y'all can't see I ride, when I drive, down the block and you look outside, H-A-T-E in your eyes, I enter big money for the enterprise, it's a beautiful day I guess, for a bitch to roll with Andre I guess, roll it up baby, come on lift that trust and roll it up for me when I'm stressed, you might catch me in Said he wanna fly out to get him some three W's, only for a three day run. Bitch, take the motherfucking pennies off. You ain't no none shit. I be living in the sky every time I ride by them hoes. Ribbon in the sky, you're on the radio, cause Stevie know I control. Let it breathe, I control. California living till I am old. We want to be on to peak on the charts so the peons can be gone and pee on their hearts. She ain't the coupe, she ain't the neon, cause she on the BS before we can start on. Fuck with a nigga, ride with a nigga. Let him know I'm priority, order me. Hennessy and for my niggas, OG killer. Call it Jason, boy, he's boy, he on his job. Boy, he sure be having the marks on they mark. Pretty bitches and tire marks. Let him inhale the pipe, big zars. Let him reveal how much it costs for this life. Controlling my vice, no way, hell no, nah, uh-uh. If I'm wrong, I don't wanna be right. We want to be on to be on the charts so the peons can be gone and be on their hearts. Women, we weather, it's not my fault that it's 82 degrees on my top pill. Oh, you might catch me in Atlanta. In the sun, I shall proceed. That's me, motherfuck your opinion. <laughs> How many ways am I killing them? Shit, right around a billion. Hey, we own it. That means we living for the moment. That means she'll fuck to the morning. Time and I got time, and I know that I'm in a position of controlling anything. I'll buy that ocean. I'm a boss, I'll buy that ocean. Ain't nobody fucking with this. They want that shit, they all 15. I give it to them, but in between. My time, I gotta tie shoe strings. Life's a trip when you want these things. I often slip, and then I lean toward three double use a life. You know, blowjob, need an application of eating pussy, make appetite. And yeah, my type, I like them brown, just like my drink. The fuck you think? I don't fuck with no hand me down. See if you fuck, then it's after me. You know how much I'ma make it work. You know her trust, let me in her purse. When you discuss your love for lust, just make sure you visit here first, Cali. You might catch me in Atlanta. Looking like a boss. Doing 